Hey guys, we are proud to announce that we got our first sponsor, Dubby. Dubby is a clean energy drink that is made to give you focus with no crash, jitters, or angst like other energy drinks. Dubby contains no calories, no sugars, no fillers, no artificial colors, and no maltodextrin. Make sure to use our code against the call for 10% off your next purchase at www.w.gg. Hey against the call listeners, you can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, and YouTube. There will be a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you tune into those. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey against the call listeners, we have a special episode for you guys today with guest UCF Football Updates. We'll have a regular episode out again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to a special episode of Against the Call. We got our good friend here, UCF Football Updates. And as you can see, he's got a beautiful background behind him. Uh, today, we're just going to be uh, interviewing him about like certain aspects about you know his life and being a previous UCF student, as well as the UCF Big 12 schedule release that we're excited to see his opinions on. And then on top of that, we're going to be talking a little bit about some UCF basketball, man. I, I know that UCF, oh. uh, UCF football uh, updates here, Alan is his name. He is a big UCF basketball guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's just let's just get right into it, guys. So, um, Alan, how's your day going so far? Good, man. I'm happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, one of my main questions right off the bat, if you guys like just kind of click on his account and you're an UCF guy, you see that uh, one of the common followers that you have is Mackenzie Milton. And then how did that happen? Yeah, man, that was a real cool moment for me. I think about when the NIL stuff started really happening, um, you know, Mackenzie and a couple other people took over, um, uh, you know, a certain um, nil opportunity, NIL opportunity. And they basically, you know, I've never reached out to him or anything like that, but one of his guys um, that I had been connected to that's been following me basically reached out to me and was like, Hey, um, essentially Mackenzie was doing like a round of interviews. He was on, you know, all the ones you probably heard on like SB nations, UCF, uh, black and gold banneret, um, a couple of these other ones. And they basically asked me, Hey, would you want to have Mackenzie on the show? And I was like, uh, hell yeah. I would. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I was kind of just plugging was, was, um, you know, the nail thing that they had going on. Um, and, then after that, we were just straight talking UCF football. So that was cool. And then, and then he started, and then I didn't ask him to follow. And then he started following me on Instagram. And that was a, another cool moment for, for me, for sure. Banner moment for, you know, I've been doing this now almost seven years. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. What got you started uh, into this? Yeah, man. I, 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 it's funny. I, I told this on another podcast. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Miami heat fan. I live in South Florida. I grew up here. And this, this guy had an account called Miami heat updates and on Instagram. And I was always following it. And, uh, I, one day I was like really bored at work. This is like 2016, right before the first frost. So right before Scott Frost's first season in 2016, I was like, I'm just going to start an account. Like Instagram was, you know, not as big as it is now, but it was getting really big. And I was like, Twitter seemed to like, uh, you know, in the moment, like, you know, you'd have to be posting all the time. So I was like, Instagram seems like a good thing for me where I could write out some thoughtful content. And I just kind of did it. Like it was like probably a month before the season, the, that 2016 season started right after the winless season. And I was like, let's go with it. And I thought I could do pretty good at it because I was a UCF beat writer when I was in school for, um, for a couple different central for a future, which is not around. You guys probably never heard of that. Um, and then night news, which I think is still around. Um, 
was a sports editor. So I was like, I, you know, I have a lot of experience, knowledge, writing experience, and I love UCF football and it's my passion. So I was like, let's go for it. Yes, sir. Yeah. I love to hear that. Um, are, are there any other like cool UCF players that you've got to speak to personally? Yeah, man. I mean, I, if you go, so my podcast is on YouTube, it's called the UCF football updates podcast. I don't really do it on like Apple and all that. Cause to be honest with you, I don't know how, and I just don't feel like, you know, learning it. So I put everything mm-hmm. on YouTube and um, I've interviewed quite a few, a lot of past players, you know, for a while I couldn't interview current players just because of like the rules. Um, I think I could now, but uh, Kalia Davis, which was pretty cool right after he graduated and was about to get, you know, drafted by the 49ers. So I interviewed him. And that was pretty cool. Um, ton of older, but Kyle Israel, who was a quarterback for UCF. And when I was in school, um, played a bunch of pro ball overseas. Um, my neighbor randomly happens to be Rashad Kazi, who is a DB uh, for UCF during the, you know, the, the McKenzie years. Um, he happens to be my next door neighbor. So we, I interviewed him right there in person. Um, so yeah, there's been a couple, I mean, McKenzie is obviously the biggest name, no doubt. Oh, um, Traquan Smith. That was pretty cool. Cause you know, he's on the saints now. And then uh, Jordan Franks, who's on the Chiefs or was on the practice squad for the Chiefs. So definitely had some some decent, you know, NFL names on there. Wow. Dude, that's, that's impressive, awesome. man. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah, man, just keep building it. And then, you know, most people are are pretty happy to talk about themselves or and, and yeah. answer questions. You know what I mean? It's not like they're doing anything that hard. So it's, you know, usually as long as you're cool and they're cool, it usually works out. Exactly. Oh, yeah. One thing I did want to mention while you're here um our mount rushmore's we did uh with the ucf there yeah disclaimer michael didn't understand the assignment yeah like, i i, I didn't look meant, like you did <laughs> i thought no. he meant like nfl players that came out of ucf like who had the best career in the nfl uh, okay that makes that. more sense now okay. that's why you had matt prater a kicker on. Yeah. <laughs> i was like damn because matt prater was hated when i mean he was actually matt prater was before my time but i know he had missed a major kick in a bowl game like two seasons before I got there and he was not loved at UCF. So, uh, but yeah, obviously in the pros, he's, he's pretty damn good. Yeah. On top of that whole graphic was a mess, bro. Like the whole UCF part of it was a mess because not only yeah. that, but we had uh, got it wrong. My, like the buddy that made it for me, he, he at the time I thought Michael was talking about us, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, and then I was like, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Be Asante Samuel. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, no, I'm not talking about the son. I'm talking about Asante Samuel. He's like, oh. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'll I'll fix it. We get like the whole new graphic made, and I still post the wrong wrong game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. No, that, I mean, because I think you have to. Look, there, that's why I always do kind of do. It's interesting though. You, you talk about the two different types because there is definitely like the Mount Rushmore of just UCF players, whether they made it pro or not, just their time at UCF. But then there's probably should be a separate one of guys that were like just amazing in the pros because like a lot of people get mad when I can, don't say like Brandon Marshall, for example, is, is a Mount Rushmore player at UCF. He only really had one good year. I mean, he was a defensive back for like mm-hmm. two seasons. So for me to be like, I don't even think he's like a top three receiver at UCF. He had one good year, but if you're going to talk pro, yeah, he's easily there because, but that's his pro career, not his yeah. UCF career. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. so I was going to talk about the, you want, want to get into the schedule release? You yeah. Well, one one thing I was gonna ask before that, you just mentioned your Mount Rushmore. Go ahead and go ahead and tell the list. Oh, yeah. Who do you think? So for like like UCF, like at UCF time, at, not like at, it yeah, doesn't matter. About, okay. Nothing, nothing NFL. 
Mike. Yeah, so my four is easy. Um, I mean, and this is in no specific order, but Mackenzie Milton, obviously, uh, Blake Bortles, who was the quarterback when I went to school. I mean, he was just such a beast and led us obviously to that Fiesta Bowl win, our first ever like major win. Uh, um, then Dante Culpepper, I think he's got to be on there. Like, I didn't see him play at UCF, but from everything I've heard and everything I've watched and everything I've seen, like he was just amazing. He was like our first really big time player. Like basically mm-hmm. we only got him because he had some like great issues or he would have gone to like FSU or like a really big school at the time. And then number uh, easily number four for me is Kevin Smith. Uh, so my freshman year, uh, he was the running back. He nearly broke Barry Sanders all-time college rushing record or single season college rushing record. Man, that was my freshman. He was amazing. I mean, he was taking off like 60 to 80 yard runs, like literally like, two to three times a game was unbelievable. And he finished, I think he's still UCS all time leading rusher. Uh, So he was just that year. He was literally carried the team on his back. So I would say those are my four. That's a good one. Those are good. Mike, would that have been yours or? (laughs) (laughs) Mackenzie Milton definitely would have been on mine if I got it correctly. I just want to put that out. I think an honorable mention mention Shaquem Griffin. I I, I think that's. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But. Other than that, let's let's just jump right into the Big 12 schedule release for UCF. And boy, boy, oh boy, is this looking interesting, man. So the first game is our home opener. Uh, this is against, you know, a Mac school. It's Kent State. Uh-huh. I'll be real. I think UCF comes out in this one, and I think we win, like, big. I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to come out in this one and win their first game. Oh, yeah. I think they'll knock their socks off. I mean, it's like a – a Thursday night game. And I, I think also you're going to have a real big energy in the crowd just because like it is our inaugural, you know, big 12 season, even though it's against Kent state, but like, I just think everyone's going to be so excited. I think this is one of the most exciting seasons in UCF history. It's going to be one of the most hyped up seasons that we're going to come out and we should, we should take care of them pretty handily. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Next game is against Villanova. You know, we've always, every team, you know, whenever you, it, group of five schools, power five schools, you're always going to play against somebody that's kind of like lower conference, not even in that discussion. So we got Villanova at home. I think this easy win. Yeah, it gets us an easy 2-0 and start, which hopefully keeps that momentum like going into the season whenever we face the next week at Bay- or against Baylor in our home. I think you're missing Boise though, right? Oh, yeah, Boise State's oh, second game. Boise State's their second oh, I was reading. I was reading it down. My fault, my fault. Yeah, no worries. Second, yeah, second game. Sorry, Boise State at Boise State. That's tough. The boys are gonna be that's playing on that blue turf. I mean, <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. Uh that that stadium's. I don't like those turfs. I hate that <laughs> the blue turf. I feel like every yeah. season Boise State kind of they they always have something going. Like they're always kind of like squeaking into a bowl game somehow. Um, I don't think last season they did, but. We'll see. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though. There are, I always said this, you know, before UCF ever got into Big 12, I always said, like, before we become the next Bama or Clemson or whatever, like, we should become like Boise. I mean, they pretty much get 10 wins every single year. Um, mm-hmm. I know they've had some down years recently, but, like, in general, Boise is tough, and we beat them, what, uh, in Gus's first year at home. I mean, they're going to be wanting revenge, so I don't love that game on the road. Like, I, I could very much see us losing that game. I, I don't – I. Don't think we will. I hope we don't, but it's not. That's by no means an easy uh, game. We could easily start two and one, you know, in non-conference play before we start the Big 12, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I think that I think we have a good shot at like winning in Boise. Um, But I do think that that game is going to be tough. I think that this is going to be one of those games where 
there might be some slip ups. There's going to be some mistakes on our end. Like, like we used, like we like to do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on like the, I'm going to be, sorry, I'm going to be standing. Cause I don't really like to sit during these kind of games, but um, I don't know, man, it's going to be a, one of those nail biters. I feel. I could definitely see that. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, like you said, the Big 12 will start September 23rd when we go to Kansas State. Um, it's going to be interesting. Big 12 champion right here. Going to be going against them in their home. It's going to be the first ultimate test for UCF. Yeah, I mean, starting off your first ever game against your, you know, Power 5, your first ever, you know, you know, in-conference power five is against the defending big 12 champions on the road. That is quite the welcome to uh, <laughs> welcome to the party for UCF. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go in with that game of high expectations. Kansas state is going to be really good again next year. Um, I don't think they're going to be the favorite in the conference, but they're going to be pretty damn good. So uh, that's, that's a tough way to, to be welcomed yeah. into the conference though. <clears throat> yeah. I I'll be real. I don't see us winning this game. I think that, and then I think we're going to get a lot of shit for not winning this game too. Uh, yeah, that's our first, you know, Big 12 game against a Big 12 champion. But I don't know, man. Mike, it's like you guys said, they're coming off a champion, like Big 12 championship, and we're coming off a championship loss. But it's the Kansas State's a very, it's a pretty good team. And I don't, like you said, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12, but they're still a very good team. And UCF tends to make mistakes in these type of games. And I just don't think they're going to win this one. But I really hope they they prove me wrong. I mean, it'd be it'd be awesome if they did, but realistically speaking, I don't think so. Uh, the next game is going to be September 30th, and it's going to be at our home where we get to host our first Big 12 game against Baylor. Um, Baylor last season, I think they had, what, like six or seven wins? Uh, yeah. And it wasn't an uh, ideal season for Baylor. They're usually pretty decent at football you know, seven to eight wins regularly. And then, you know, when Matt Rule was there, they were beast. Um, but this game coming up against Baylor, I think that we actually, like, we have a good shot at this game as well. Kansas State, not so much at all. But Baylor, with their, like, they've been trending downhill recently. Um, it's going to be at our home. The bounce house is going to be bouncy. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll Alan, will you be at this game or? Yeah, I'm going to try to get to, I mean, I've seen some tickets. I'm going to try to be as many games as possible. Yeah, Baylor, that's going to be another topic one. But, you know, talk about a, a revenge game. They're also going to want revenge on us. If you guys recall, I mean, that was that game I alluded to with Bortles, our first ever big win. The Fiesta Bowl was against Baylor. We beat them that year when, man, Baylor, that was, like you said, that wasn't the Matt Rule era. I think that was before that. But this is a Baylor team that year. They were literally scoring 70 points on the regular. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. They had a couple games. I remember one game they won like 77 to seven. They were insane that year, their offense. But yeah, they've been trending down recently. That's a nice like first home game where I think we could, I don't know if we'll be favored because I don't know much about Baylor, you know, next year, how they're going to be. But um, I think I've, I've said this, I think any game for us is winnable inside the bounce house. Um, so if we're going to face a, a hard team in the bounce house, I'd rather be someone like Big 12. Uh, I mean, Mike Baylor coming off like a six or seven win season where it's definitely attainable that win, but, you know, obviously won't be easy. Yeah, exactly. I think that this entire schedule that we have going for us, everyone's doubting us. Like every every single game, uh, other than like, I don't know, these first three games uh, will be the underdogs. I, I feel in every single one of these games. 
So I don't know the bounce house. People got to show up. People can't be leaving at halftime. That's definitely going to be a packed bounce house. It's like our first home game in the Big Twelve. It's going to be packed, sold out. Probably, probably most likely going to be sold out. No doubt. I think so. I, I think going forward, you're going to see the fan support. Only, I mean, 2017, that undefeated season. I mean, I guess you guys are freshmen, but when I was in school, I mean, attendance was bad. I mean, you're talking about you'd play like you know Marshall and um, you know Memphis when they were really bad, and 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 you did, especially if if it was too hot or it was rainy, like you'd have no one at these games. It was half full at best. Then that 17 year with McKenzie changed the game. I mean, pretty much, you know, obviously attendance isn't sold out every game, but damn near, you know, and especially big games. Or, mm-hmm. And I think every big 12 game is big for us, especially in year one. So I, I'd be shocked if there's not a game that's sold out next year, unless we just really fumble and come out. Like, you know, we start the conference schedule like, Oh, and four, Oh, and five, then maybe people will start to maybe start to tally off, tally off a little bit. But I, I think for the most part, it'll be pretty sold out. Mm-hmm. Same here. So do you see us getting this win against Baylor? Or what are you thinking here? Yeah, I mean, I think we could win that that first game. I mean, you know, I think we lose to Kansas State. We come back riled up for our first ever Big 12 home game. And that, to me, I think that crowd momentum could carry UCF to win. But I'm sure we'll get into this in this podcast. But what's the quarterback situation? Are we going with JRP again? Is it going to maybe get handed down to Tommy Castellanos? Is it going to go down to Timmy McLean? Um, you know, with, with JRP announcing he's going to come back, you would think he's the favorite. We know how much Gus Malzahn likes him. So I don't know. And then if he does start, is it going to be a JRP like we saw him against Temple this past year? Or is it going to be the JRP that we saw against you know, Tulane in the conference championship. It, it's just hard. He's very inconsistent. So, but I, if I had to guess right now, gun to my head, I'd say we could probably pull off that win against Baylor. Exactly. I mean, that you, you just kind of answered. We were going to ask you, like, what, how are you feeling about the quarterback conversation here? Um, yeah. I, I had a question saying, do you think JRP will be the start of the whole season? I, yeah, I kind of mixed thoughts on that. I think, I think Gus Malzahn is very stubborn. And I think that he recruited JRP to start him and to play him. And I really think he kind of has him attached at the hip and he's a type of guy that's going to not really want to move on from him, especially with JRP saying, Hey, I'm coming back for my senior year. Like I know he's coming back to play baseball too, but like a guy like that, it's a fifth year senior. I feel like he doesn't want to bench him. Um, but at the same time, Tommy and Timmy are his recruits too. So it wasn't like a situation last year, like Mikey Keene, that was not a Gus guy. That was a hypo, that was a hypo guy. So I think, I think that they'll have a legitimate quarterback competition. And um, our new offensive coordinator, Darren Hedinshaw said so, uh, you know, during his, um, you know, introductory press conference that there's going to be an open competition for QB. Um, my gut says that JRP wins it. I just, I, I just think, a lot of people were saying Keen won last year and JRP still are starting. So I feel like as a fifth-year senior, he had a whole year under his belt. Let's say he does improve his mechanics and improves his game a little bit more. It's hard for me to see, you know, a redshirt freshman like Tommy overtaking him right now unless he just really, like, impresses coaching staff. And then to answer, if, if is he going to start the whole year, I think he'll be on a shorter leash because the fans will start, you know, yelling for, oh, hey, we got to start Tommy, we got to start Timmy if he's really meth up and we're starting to embarrass ourselves so i don't think he has a lock on the position but i think he initially wins the job that's that's my gut says yeah great analysis i i, I mean it's it's the same thing very, he can be very inconsistent great guy great guy you know i was uh 
I was with uh, Michael's cousin the other day, just walking around UCF. Got to run into JRP at Subway. He's, he's a very nice guy, very nice fellow. Oh, nice. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, inconsistencies, they happen. And they're going to want Tommy to step in there. And uh, McLean, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen much of McLean and in, and in high school and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm excited. And Tommy has a lot to grow. Like, I don't, like, I don't know if you remember that Tulane game. That was, that was rough. Uh, that was definitely a freshman quarterback doing freshman quarterback things. Yep. But, you know, I think he could potentially step up and be that guy if JRP is fumbling, as you would like to say, you know, or quite physically fumbling the ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> which... I mean, I think I think Tommy, like you said, I mean, he he looked like a freshman, which is OK. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys take a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. Um and then Timmy, though, the good thing about Timmy, what makes him interesting is he has a, a lot of experience. Remember, he was USF's quarterback, uh, starting quarterback for an entire year, two years ago. So he has real D1 wow. college experience. And from everything I've heard, you know, he's dual threat. Um, I heard the coaching staff really likes him. Um, he played really well on the scout team for us this past year. So I think he does have a good shot at doing it. Um, and I love that he already has experience where Tommy just has kind of like the whatever he played in garbage time. Besides, like you alluded to the two lane game where he was just thrown into the fire um so i don't know it's gonna be interesting we have a true i think three-way battle this year for for qb1 mm-hmm. which is really good really good for us and yeah, we uh, need that qb1 for the future we do we do true <laughs> true <laughs> uh timmy man if you can't beat him join him i love to see yeah. <laughs> facts <laughs> for the next game october 7th uh we're going to be visiting at kansas university and the f- interesting thing is with Kansas, they actually have a full roster for the first time in like 20 something years I read the other day. So people are actually kind of finally jumping on that Kansas Jayhawks football uh, bandwagon a little bit. You know, they're trying to they're they're on the uh, upward trend this past year, had one of their best seasons in a long time. Um, they're like six and seven somewhere on that. Yeah, they made it to a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, at the beginning of the year, they were actually they were undefeated uh, mm-hmm. for three or four games, and they were actually talks of making it all the way to the Big Twelve championship. But obviously, things went downhill. They're a basketball school, whatever. Um, I still think that we could win this game, um, Alan. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, they, they started out the season real hot. They were five and zero. I remember they actually beat Houston. Um, you know, because Houston's in our conference and. Obviously now we're all in the Big 12 together, but they started out five and zero, and then I remember they they had a narrow loss to TCU, who obviously ended up going to the national championship. And then after that TCU loss, it all kind of came tumbling down. I think for the rest of the year, I think they only ended up winning one more game because, like you said, they had six wins, so they ended up losing what seven out of their last eight or six out of their last seven, whatever it was. Um, and then they lost their bowl game and on a real tight one. I think they went into like triple overtime, if I recall correctly. Um, so, you know, I think you're right. They're on the upswing, but you know, in that game, you said is on the road or is that at home? That's Uh, on the road. That's on the road. So look, I mean, if there's, I would still consider Kansas on the upswing, but I would consider they're probably more of a bottom tier big 12 team. And I think those are the games we need to wrap, you know, get those, you know, rack up those wins. Right. Um, Because we're not going to, I don't think we're ready to beat the, 
the Oklahomas, the TCUs, the, you know, the Kansas States of the world yet with our current roster, but Kansas, I, I don't see why we couldn't beat them. And even though it's on the road, I don't know how much their fan participation is. I'm sure, you know, it's not going to be a raucous crowd. So I think that's a, definitely a winnable game. And one, we, we got to get those, uh, those winnable games this year. Exactly. Every win matters. <laughs> Every win matters. When we're playing in the Big 12 and we're trying to get a, at least a bowl game. <laughs> yeah, we need these wins with these like lower tier Big 12 teams. However, Kansas is on the come up. They're like the opposite of Baylor. Baylor's going down. Kansas is going up. But still, I still think it's a winnable game. Agreed. I think it is. I think it is. And the next game, we're going to be visiting visiting the Sooners. Um, <laughs> Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, let's go. Gabriel, <laughs> man. Little bit of little bit of salt there. I'm not gonna lie. But you know, at the time for Dylan, you know, he he made that decision. He wanted to get more playing time on a you know bigger, bigger squad, bigger name, um, trying to make his draft stock go up a little bit. Uh, and he played, you know, very, very good at Oklahoma this past season, despite their what their record shows. Um, and, you know, they lost to a Florida team. That's just a that's just a little cherry on the uh, whipped cream for him, but you know, UCF's yeah. going to be visiting him, and um, right, we're not winning this game, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. But when I when the Big 12 schedule got released, I was so pumped up that we were playing Oklahoma. Like, obviously, I'd rather play them in Orlando than Norman. Um, but when I saw that, I was like, that is so sweet that you know, Dylan Gabriel who left with a lot of negativity. The fans, clearly UCF fans do not like Dylan Gabriel. It's not like a Mackenzie Milton thing where we all loved him even after he transferred to Florida State. Dylan Gabriel is not loved here. Um, so the fact that he transfers and thinks he's never going to have to see UCF again, and then we get to play him right in the possibly the only year that Oklahoma is going to be in the Big 12. I mean, I've, there's been now a thing that they're going to be one more year, but this may be our only chance that we ever play Oklahoma forever. And the fact that DG is going to be the starting quarterback is just great. Um, um, obviously, like I said, it's in Norman, but if we can pull off one big upset next year and that's the one that would be, I mean, that would just be, I mean, that would probably knock out a bunch of other losses. If we can beat Dylan Gabriel, this fan base <laughs> is going to go wild. I mean, the, the shit talking on, on rivals and Twitter and social media is going to be off the chain. So I really hope that, but I think Oklahoma's, you know, this year they're six and seven. That's an aberration. When do you ever see an Oklahoma team with less than 10 wins? Very rare. I'd assume they'd be back next year, at least better than they were, um, you know, this, this season, this past season. So our odds aren't really good there, but you know, who knows, maybe we'll get up and at the very least, let's get like 10 sacks on Dylan Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, like with Oklahoma last year, they got a brand new coach, Brent Vrabel's coming in from Clemson and, you know, it's harder to work with, but this this game is our Super Bowl right here. This is the game that we gotta show up to. And like you said, if we lose, <laughs> however many games, if we lose all eleven games and we win this one game, it's gonna be- our, us fans will be happy still. We <laughs> yeah, <here. laughs> we'll never forget. We'll never forget that win. That that's that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it's not gonna be easy though. I mean, Oklahoma doesn't lose too often in, in uh, you know at Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. Norman, they. They have a huge stadium, one of the one of the biggest top ten, I believe, top fifteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, man, it's gonna it's gonna be nice. But uh, our homecoming game is gonna be against West Virginia, um, and West Virginia was actually complete dog shit last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they weren't that good at all. Um, so I see why we scheduled them for our homecoming game. But let's just hope that we win this homecoming game. Um, 
who did we play this se- this past season for a homecoming? Our homecoming. Who was it? Was it? I want to say was it Cincinnati? Was our homecoming? I, I'm game? pretty sure it was Cincinnati. Or was it SMU? No, it SMU. Well, that was was as I think SMU was Parents Weekend. Oh yeah, I think I so said Cincinnati might have been the homecoming because I, I remember thinking like, damn, that's a tough homecoming game. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe wrong, but yeah, West Virginia. I mean, that, another winnable game. It's like you said. I mean, if you look at those besides Kansas State, when you look at Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, like at least last year's standings, that was like the bottom half of of the Big Twelve standings. So. Oklahoma is going to be hard no matter what, but at least three or three out of four of those games are, are at least on the easier side. I'd rather play, you know, West Virginia than TCU or Texas as an example. So um, I think it's winnable at home. Um, West Virginia has got a really cool history. They got a really cool fan base in the sense of they're like, kind of like us. They're very passionate about the, about their team. Um, UCF has actually played West Virginia twice uh, in school history, way back in, in the early two thousands and lost, Lost both, obviously, um, but I, th- I, I don't see why this is not a winnable game at the bounce house. Like I said, like in my personal opinion, I think any team, I don't care if it's Alabama or an FCS school, we could win any game at the bounce house. Doesn't mean it will happen, but I think any game is winnable. I mean, I think our record in the last five years is something like. 37 and four at the bounce house over the past three, four, five years, whatever it is. So we don't lose too often at home. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I definitely see this as a winnable game, especially at homecoming. It's going to be another packed house. Mm. And, yeah, I got the I got UCF winning. I got UCF winning this game against the Cousin Lovers. I think we're going <laughs> to definitely do well. <laughs> um, the next game, we get to meet our, our very good friends, uh, the Bearcats, man. Uh, November 4th, it's going to be back in Cincinnati. They, they can't handle us at the bounce house, obviously, but – um, obviously I'll be happy to be back in Cincinnati for sure but um, man this game is going to be interesting this you know a rivalry renewed this is probably going to be a rivalry that we continue to see past the USF phase so um, yeah Mike your thoughts yeah this is gonna, I think this is going to be our rival team now since USF's not in the picture and Cincinnati is a very tough team it was very close game last year at the bounce house I was there as Wow, that was close. And Great game. It's gonna be in Cincinnati, and uh, I don't. I kind of see Cincinnati winning this one. I could see why you said that. I've been so I've been in Cincinnati game two years, and I went to last year's game at the Bounce House, and then I went actually up to Cincinnati the year that they made the playoff, um, and they they blew our socks off. Um, their their fan base is cool though. I mean, they were all real like pretty cool. They their stadium was actually really legit. It was it's pretty cool. It held like over fifty thousand people. When they're when they're good, uh, that's a tough place to win. Um, Cincinnati, I, I would I would say is on the downtrend right now. Obviously, they lost Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. He was one of the best coaches in all of FBS. Um, losing him and he took a lot of recruits with them. So I saw that they actually had the worst recruiting class by ranking in the Big Twelve and the new Big Twelve. Um, they've lost obviously a ton of guys to the pros over the past couple of years. Sauce Gardner and you know all the all those good guys that they had. Desmond Ritter. Um, so they're kind of in a quarterback situation. Where I think Evan Prater's coming back and they have another transfer where they don't they're kind of similar to us. They don't have like a set amazing, you know, surefire QB one. I do think it's a winnable game, but it is on the road. Um, and that's another thing. Like we know Cincinnati, we could beat Cincinnati. That's another one. We, we got to win, right. You know, they're, they're someone we've been playing now for the past decade. Let's get that done 
Um, I could see a loss, but I think that's more of a toss up compared to like Kansas state on the road, where it feels like more of a sure loss. Uh, it's winnable because they don't have a good QB situation right now. They're obviously going to be breaking in a new coach in Scott Sattersfield. Um, so we'll see, but I think it's winnable, but it's not, it's not a lock. Yeah, I agree with him. The only, the only thing is that like home field advantage. That's, that's just about it. Other than that, like the downhill trend of Cincinnati, it's beautiful. I love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it's gonna it's gonna be fun to keep playing against them, but for sure it's it's a winnable game. I mean, I would kind of have it in a loss column just just to be a little bit you know conservative about it. But fair, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this this upcoming year. But um, Oklahoma State is going to be visiting us. It's going to be a home game. Um, Oklahoma State had a fairly well season last year, and actually the past two to three years they have been always kind of pushing for a playoff spot and always coming short. Um, so this team, you know, wh- what's the head coach's name? Gundy, Mike Gundy. Yeah, Mike Gundy. Yep. He's been there forever now. And, you know, he's built a ver- very fairly well program. They always get their bowl games. They're always competing. So, um, oh, boy, I don't know. I see this as a loss. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, Oklahoma State, they're they're very good. And I think that they're um, – I, I can't remember the, his name off the top of my tongue, but um, uh, the running back for Oklahoma State. He's really, oh yeah, and dude's a beast. Um, and you at UCF obviously can't control a run game half the time. I don't know if you remember that Navy game, but uh, yes, <laughs> like that happened. <laughs> so, um, anyways, Alan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, OSU is obviously like you said, they're always top twenty-five for the most part. They have one of the longest tenured coaches uh, in FBS and Mike Gundy. He's been, you know, I think 15 years. So they have kind of the model of consistency there and they're always pushing for a playoff spot. They never quite get over the hump, but I think, what was it, two years ago, they were in the big 12 championship. Um, so they're always right there. Uh, it's, it's a tough game. They did kind of have a down year. They started off real hot. I think they got it to like top 12, top 13 in the country. And then they kind of lost to Oklahoma and Bedlam and ended up losing like, you know, a bunch of their final games and still made a bowl game. So, yeah, it's at home, and that is the one that is by far the game that I most uh, home game that I'm most excited about. Obviously, I think that's the highest profile team out of the four Big Twelve teams we face at home. By far, OSU is is the highest profile one. I think that's going to be really cool. I think that'll be another big time sellout where I think we can keep it close because of you know the fans. But ultimately, yeah, I don't, I don't see us coming out with a win in that one. I think Oklahoma State is just deeper, bigger, and better than us right now as we have this transition phase into the Big Twelve. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. With the, uh, I just think their run game is going to run all over us. With we can't defend the run that well. Hopefully, we we hopefully again they prove us wrong. But they have a very good run game, and however, it's at the bounce house, so there's a chance. <laughs> but and they did lose their quarterback, Spencer Sanders. I think he transferred. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where yeah. he landed, but he he's he's, he's pretty Ole good. Oh, Ole Miss. Okay. But yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to win this one. Or yeah, Oklahoma State. Oh boy. All right. So the next game we're going to be visiting Texas tech. Um, you know, that's one of these games where it, it's, it's a toss up in my opinion, you know, Texas tech, you know, they, uh, they're always they're like the big 12, they're known to having teams that are like consistently, you know, decent, consistently getting bowl games and stuff like that. And uh, Texas tech, I think they won their bowl game this past season um I forgot who it was against I think it was actually against an SEC school but I could be wrong um but anyways Texas Tech they're always one of those teams where 
you never know what you could get. You know, one one season they'll beat Texas, the next they'll get routed out by them. So it's things like that you got to consider, and we're going to be facing them in their home. So, yeah. I'd agree with that. I mean, Texas Tech, they were eight and five last year. Um, yeah, one of those teams, they're usually like solid, you know. I mean, they're never like top of the country. They're never usually like, you know, vying for a, uh, you know, like a big time bowl. Um, I mean, obviously, they didn't even do good when Patrick Mahomes was there. But, uh, you know, they're obviously, you know, they're a good program. And they've talked about the uh, the crap talking that's been going on between the, the, big, the new Big 12 fan bases recently. And Texas Tech has been one of the ones that have been kind of talking smack to us, us to them. Um, but no, they, they finished the year good. I think they finished on a four game win streak. They beat Ole Miss in their bowl game. They actually beat Oklahoma um, this past year. So I would say they're on the, on the upswing. Um, that's kind of a toss up, but you know, on the road that could obviously, you know, be a loss. Yeah, exactly. And that reminds me, I was actually going to talk to you, but there's only like one game left on the schedule to even talk about, but the the like shit talking that's been going on on Twitter, man. I I've been looking at it a little bit. You got some I the main things like these Iowa Iowa State. State. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on all this going on? <laughs> I mean, look, I know. Look, we're in a real conference now, and, and I I I don't mean that as an insult to the American. I really did believe the American was a good conference. I'll always say that. Not anymore now that since the UCF and Houston left, it's not. But for the last decade, I thought American was a real conference. Um, but Big Twelve is a different level. Uh, they got teams with real history that are in cities that this is their main thing, you know, where they're not in big metropolitan cities and uh, they got a lot of history. Um, Iowa state has a lot of history. It's just not good history. I mean, they've been around <laughs> since the early 1900s. I saw they're one of three FBS teams that have never had a 10 win season their entire history. They can sit there and talk smack about us for being, Oh, if we would have done it, if we were in the American or the conference USA, whatever, but come on, you never had a 10 win season. You had Brock Purdy on your team. You've never won 10 wins, uh, had 10 wins. You've really never won a major bowl game. You've never even been close to a playoff. You've never won the big 12 championship. So as much as yes, they've been in a more prestigious conference than us historically. Like, I don't think they have any right to talk crap. We've won two major bowl games. We've been top 25 more than they have. We've had more conference championships than they have. We have more guys in the pros than they do. So like, what can they really say other than like, Oh, cool. We've lost to Oklahoma for the last 50 years. Great. Good for you guys. <laughs> you <know? laughs> We're also national champions. They aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, if Oklahoma wants to talk crap to us, they win. Iowa State, no. No, 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 sir. <laughs> Man, there was uh, one one uh, fan base. I can't remember who it was right now. I think it was Oklahoma State or Texas Tech or Iowa State, one of those. They were um, talking shit on Twitter about how, like, oh, they could have claimed a national championship uh, – if they, because they they went undefeated one season or something like that, and I right. don't, it was just completely like it was like okay, why didn't you? I don't know. <laughs> how do you, how do you how do you guys feel about that whole national title claim for you? So I know that was before you guys were freshmen. You said so that was before your time. Yeah. Um. So maybe you weren't even UCF fans then. So maybe you you might even talk craft about it back then. But how do you, now that you guys are students, how how do you feel about that? Well, for me, it was like at the time, it got me into UCF. Like, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Like, I kind of like the, um, you know, the ask the whole aspect of it. And, you know, they went undefeated. I watched them that entire season. And that was one of the main seasons I started, like, really focusing in on college football. And I just remember thinking, man, this is stupid. <laughs> I, was like, I, I remember sitting there. I was like, 
dude, what are they doing? I, I don't know. At the time, I was like, you know, I like UCF. I do. And I was like, this is stupid. And then I was like, okay, I'm deciding I'm going to UCF. Like last year, I was like, I'm going to ride this out as much as I can. <laughs> I didn't there you go. Second out of me. And um, yeah, for me, I had like, uh, so half my house, like my dad and my brother go to, went to USF. Then my oh. other half of the house likes UCF and my other brother goes to UCF now. So I had half the house saying, you're so stupid if you think this. The other house saying, no, we are national champions and y'all aren't. Y'all never, y'all can't do this. So like, and I, this was before I was really like pay attention to college football. So now that I'm looking at it from the real point of view, I'm like, I mean, I can see their a point, their point, their opinion, but I can also see UCF's opinion. I want to ride with it because I think it's funny. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep going with it. So I, love how it I love how it's in the stadium, man. Like, I just love yeah. it. I'm like, that's, that's awesome right there. And like the fact that the whole fan base can just like rally behind it, <laughs> it's 10 times better. And uh, yeah. so UCF, like that year, that's the year that really got the conversation sparked a lot more to up the playoff, you know, and now it's actually coming around. And it's cool to know that like this school was like, obviously it was in the talks before, but this school made it like multimedia everywhere talking about, yo, let's expand the playoffs. Cause this team, obviously you go in, you go undefeated, you beat Auburn. I mean, come on. And then the next season almost beat LSU with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, yeah, as our friend John, who's not on right now, he likes to say that we made Joe Burrow and all that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's what I always say. I mean, I think I don't do, if you ask me about heart of hearts, do I truly believe UCF has ever won a national championship? No, I don't. Um, but I completely understand why they did that. It was a great marketing ploy. And it's like you said, I mean, if you can win every single game, think about this. I always say this college football is the only sport in the entire world that you can go undefeated and not play for the top prize. What you could college basketball, you, if you're undefeated, you're in, you're in the big, you're in the tournament, any sport in the whole world besides college football, they say, Oh, well, your schedule is not good enough. So you can't play for the top crowd, top prize. So I, I completely agree. I think the reason that Cincinnati made the playoffs is because of UCF. I, I mean, I, I literally, I mean, obviously they had to win and they did an amazing job. They earned it. But I think if Cincinnati had that same exact schedule in 2017, where they beat Notre Dame and all that, I think they would have been left out. And the only reason they weren't is because we made a huge fuss about it. Um, so I, I, I see why UCF did it, but I don't think we were national champs, but I do love what they did and, and how it changed college football. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, marketing ploy, man. That's what, that's what gets UCF out there. It's, it's the word. I love to see it. I love the banner. <laughs> but um, another thing too is us as michael mentioned with uh usf and his dad going there and all that there there's always this thing with i'm gonna i'm gonna really miss this about going into the big 12 and not playing usf because usf they love to just any little they're a little brother because any little sliver of a win that they get they're able to like use it against you somehow but (laughs) um like for instance michael's dad he he loves to just kind of talk to me about USF. He loves it. And uh, USF beat us in basketball the other day, which we'll get uh-huh. into a little bit more. But, boy, that's not hard to do. Um, <laughs> at the, and at the time it happened, we had a way better record. Uh, we had, like, five or six more wins at the time. And it's just like, man, I'm going to miss the USF-UCF rivalry. Uh, what about you, Alan? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know if you ever seen it on my page, but I, I – and I usually get a little backlash for this, is I say I think it's a – 
huge mistake to end that rivalry. Look, one of the things that makes college football so cool and why it's my favorite sport is the pageantry, the traditions. And one of those traditions is rivalries. And that started getting stripped away by all of this conference realignment stuff. But UCF, USF is, USF is our only true rivalry. And what do I mean by that? Yeah, since he's a rival, maybe Houston's a rival, but I'm talking about, you know, proximity, right? It's, it's an hour away. Um, shared experiences. We've had a ton of amazing games against each other. And then there's true hatred between the fan bases. It has a name, War on I-4. We play on rivalry weekend, the last game of the year. No, no, you can't fabricate that and you can't replicate that. And maybe it can grow organically over time, but we, you can't just sit in the back, oh, Houston or Cincy, they're a rival now. Yeah, there's some mutual bad blood between the fan base, but nothing like USF. I don't care if we were 0-11, USF is 0-11. When we face that final weekend, it feels like it means something. There's stakes. Um, and the fact that we're losing that, I think it's heartbreaking. I, I hate that about college football. I love that we're going to the Big 12. I Don't get me wrong. But I it, I know that schedules are made years in advance. But I would do whatever we can to get them back on the schedule starting whenever our next opening is, 2028, 20, 29, whatever it is. Get them back on, even if it's every other year. I don't care. I mean, other teams have made it work, you know. Georgia places, Georgia Tech, they're not in the same conference, Florida, FSU, you know, let's make it happen because we don't have any, any other natural rivalries right now. We may one day, but I want that because there's just nothing like that week. I mean, you go into with so much hype and no other team feels that way unless you're facing just like a big team and you're only hype because they're good, as an example, like mm -hmm. Oklahoma. USF, I don't care what their record is. I don't care what our record is. It's an awesome game. So I, I think it's a huge mistake, and I hope we can get them back as rivalry, as a rivalry. Yeah. And it's like, always a close game every year. Every yeah. time, it's always a close game. And that's what happens. You throw you throw records out the window when you're facing your rival because anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Throw records out the window, Mike. That's what I'm saying. Because a lot <laughs> of times we want to argue about uh, the Florida, Florida State, uh, Florida State fans rushing the field, dude. It's a rivalry. I don't care what the records are, man. I don't think that was a stupid field rush, but <laughs> <laughs> people I get excited it. when you beat your rival. I mean, that's just how yeah. it goes down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing, man. I like you said, like we have to schedule them in advance, and there's also contracts to go into that. Uh, you know, contractually, like Georgia, Georgia Tech, they always have to renew that. Um, uh -huh. So I don't know. It's gonna be up to like the fans on both ends for the most part, like pushing for that because who knows if UCF, like now that they're in the big 12, they'll just be like, okay, whatever USF, you know, that's a group five school, at least with like Georgia tech and FSU, those are power five. So you got to look into that. Like, Hey, we're still rivals. Like no matter the like group five power five doesn't matter. Let's schedule them. And the fact that it, we might have to wait like until 2028, 2029. That's sad. Like for sure. Um, hopefully we can get them on like our basketball schedules again, stuff like that, you know, um, and yeah, also start there, start like with basketball, baseball, because you, you mentioned like people say like, uh, one of the big arguments is like, oh, we don't want to get like, you know, we're power five now. We don't want to give them a, a national spotlight. What happens if they beat us? Uh, recruits will see it. I always, I always think that's the dumbest thing. I'm like, all right. So in a hypothetical scenario, USF beats us one year, uh, what all of a sudden all these UCF recruits make, you know what? I don't want to go to the big 12. You know, I'm just going to go to the American because of one win. Like who think like, I don't think recruit, I know they're 18 years old. I don't think no one thinks that way though. So whatever we lose, we lose. It happens. Like, I don't think like when app state beat Michigan, whatever that was a year back, everyone's like, Oh, I'm decommitting from Michigan and going to app state. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. it's, just it's stupid. So whatever they beat us one year, they beat us. It is what it is. You're going to lose sometimes. So I, I would love to get that back. And you know, it's a possibility building up until this time. You know, both of our uh, records kind of line up. We could see them in a bowl game for sure. 
Yeah, that's definitely a possibility too. Um, but at the same time, like USF actually has to win games, so that might be <laughs> hard for them to do. Um, you know, now that we're gone, they might. <laughs> now that we're gone, they'll have two wins. They should be winning that conference now. I mean, it should be between like them, Memphis, Ooh. SMU, Tulane. Like, there's no excuse to USF. USF being in Florida should be running that conference, but they're maybe they're poorly run and, and won't won't be able to. But th- there really isn't much of an excuse for them anymore. They have a great new head coach. I'll give that to them. Like he just led the Alex number Golish. one. Yeah, he just led the number one offense in the nation. Yeah. And I'm a Tennessee fan, so obviously I'm gonna back him up. And being a Tennessee fan is great, and a UCF fan because we both got hypo. So I don't know. That's that's awesome. <laughs> and, and we both had Golish. Golish was at UCF too. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. So man, it, it's fun. But the last game, November 25th, is gonna be our last home game, last game for the season uh against houston so you know we've already played them before they decided to join us of course um and then uh another another thing too is i completely forgot byu is joining (laughs) Uh finally not independent anymore they're they're joining us as well uh so that's interesting i feel like the the fans if we ever get that byu game there's going to be a lot of things against mormons here uh i feel like that's (laughs) gonna be fun (laughs) They have a great fan base, though, BYU. Really do. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson made them. Uh, but at the same time, we got the Houston game coming up. So your thoughts on that, guys? I think the UCS is going to win. Like, we know how to play them. We played them before on multiple occasions. That bounce house. They came off like an 8-5 and five record, I think, last season. Mm-hmm. Did we beat them last year? Did we play them? We, didn't, we didn't play them last year. No, we no. didn't play them? Okay. Yeah. But uh, like I said – they we've been in the same conference for a while. We know how to beat them. This is a game we have to win. So I think uh, UCF is going to win this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a definitely a winnable game. I mean, they're, they were, uh, they, they were, didn't meet their expectations last year. I mean, they were coming off a really good year the year before under Dana Holgerson, um, you know, who it's funny enough was the West Virginia coach. And now he's back in the big 12 with Houston. Um, you know, th- we haven't played them since 2020. Uh, we spanked them pretty bad in that, in that pandemic shortened season. Um, we have a, pretty long history with Houston. We had them in the American with us and in conference USA. Um, I'm pretty sure we have a winning record against them all time. And, uh, but yeah, I think that's a winnable game. They, they really went uh, under expectations this year. I think this year they were really actually projected to win the American them or Cincy. Um, no one expected really Tulane to, to come in and take that, but Houston kind of, you know, they had an okay year, but it wasn't what, you know, people were expecting. Um, they did have a good recruiting class that though Houston, they got some good transfers, actually stole one of our DB transfers from, uh, what's his name? Uh, something George, Brian George, he was at Texas A&M transferred to us. And then he silently decommitted and, and ended up going to Houston they had a good recruiting class. So won't be an easy game, but I do like that in a bounce house. And then I don't know what you guys think, but it does appear that the big 12 is trying to make them our rival because they scheduled it in the last week of the year, which is rivalry weekend historically. So I don't know if that's what they're trying to do, but it does feel like that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, it all depends because uh, at the same time, like not all rivalries happen on rival weekend. Like, true. I know, like true. you know, like o- Ohio state, Michigan, they don't always play on rival rivalry weekend. Jeez. I can't say that word. Holy crap. <laughs> rivalry. There we go. Um, but yeah. Um, so I think that possibly like next year, the year after, it'll be like all different teams and they'll just kind of like feel it out, like the conference, yeah. kind of see who it is. I'm surprised it's not Cincinnati this first year. I don't know. Uh, Makes what, more sense for it to be Cincy. Uh, 
like I guess their committee wasn't really like paying attention, but it's fine. Um, on top of that, I don't know, man. This is definitely a game that we can win. Um, end it off on a good note. And that just gets me to my next question. Like overall, what do you think in the record's gonna be? Yeah, I've been I've been getting that you know, record predictions. I'm not a big record prediction guy. I always say that. Um, but when I when I do put it out there, I try to be pretty thoughtful. Um, you know, it, when I look at the schedule, I, I do think it, it really depends on those first three weeks. If we can leave non-conference play three and oh so you know we beat kent state we beat villanova we beat boise we start three and oh then you're looking like all right look we just got to get three more wins the rest of the way to be bowl eligible that for me i know people was like oh you need higher expectations look we're in big boy football now there's going to be growing pains i i think a good year personally would be six and six with a bowl game and and, and hopefully obviously win that bowl game so go seven and six um but if i was to predict i i think six and six is what is going to happen i i see us losing most of those road games um that, that we play in the big 12 this year and i and i think we're gonna snatch up some of those home like i think we can win three out of the four home games um you know uh, in, on the in the conference schedule so i'm gonna go six and six because i i think there is like the West Virginia game, the Kansas game, the Baylor game are all winnable. Where, and then where you, you feel like there's some sure losses in there, like Kansas State, Oklahoma, uh, you know, maybe Texas Tech on the road. So I, I'm, I'm going to go six and six. Perfect. Yeah, like you said, that's going to be a good season if we get six wins in a bowl. Like there's some UCF fans like we're we're not going to be like these past few years have been great. You know, at least nine wins these past right. few years. And like. <laughs> On top of that, you like you said, we're playing big boy football now. So, like, you got to be more optimistic. You got to realize that we're entering into a new territory where it's not going to be handed to us like us playing, like, uh, who, like, I don't even know off the top of my head. USF. The Memphis, USF. Like, yeah, USF yeah. for sure. Like, it's historically. Gonna, exactly. It, it's not going to be like that. I mean, it, as an optimistic fan, at the same time, you got to be realistic and – Six, six and six is like where we should be and where we like need to be to have a good season. Great season would be like seven or eight wins. Yeah. yeah maybe it's like, maybe, it, you know, you feel better. It's like we get to six and six, but one of those wins is like a huge upset. Like we beat Oklahoma, for example, or we beat Oklahoma state where it's like, all right, maybe we only got six wins, but one or two more massive upsets where we were underdogs and we pulled off a massive win against maybe like a ranked team, for example. Um, and I think that would be pretty cool too. I think another thing is we overall win as long as Cincinnati and the other guys that joined us do worse than us. That's a good point. If we're the best of the newcomers, the heat is kind of taken off of us. It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, we outperform Houston. We outperform BYU. We outperform Cincy. We look, we look good. I don't think Cincy's doing that good <laughs> going into the, I mean, I haven't seen their full schedule, but I just know that with the way things have been go going for them recently, I don't, uh, man, I, don't I, know. Agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Michael, your thoughts? You guys basically said it all. I think six, maybe seven wins, maybe if we get a couple upset or two. But I think we're going to win all these these first three games out of conference. But it's it's tricky with the new conference and these new teams, how we play them. So I'm going to go more realistic and say six six wins. So. Yeah. I think it also comes down to that quarterback situation too. You know, it's funny, like that first year we went into the American, uh, I don't know if you guys recall this. Um, it, it was, it was a kind of a different conference that first year. It still had Louis, our first year in the American had Louisville and Rutgers in it still. So there's still some power teams or power team that are 
better power teams now. And a lot of people didn't expect us to, you know, win that conference at first. And what did we do? We ended up going uh, undefeated in the conference and, and, uh, and winning the conference, obviously. Um, so you never know, obviously I don't think that's coming in the big 12, but I think that the, the thing back then is we had Blake Bortles, whereas now it's like, who's going to be the quarterback. I think if, if we have a, some sort of crazy growth by JRP, he develops and he becomes a really good quarterback or I don't know, Tommy or Timmy takes the position runs with it. That's a game changer. I mean, you obviously have to have depth everywhere at every position and be good on defense, offense, skill players, but a good quarterback or a great quarterback, I should say changes the game. Uh, it can make it that game where you're, you know, maybe down a touchdown or tied he'll get you the win because he's that great. So I think that's going to be the difference makers. Who's the QB and how good is he? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's all just up in the air for that entire situation, but moving forward, uh, we, we've definitely want to talk to you about basketball. I mean, if you guys uh -oh. follow, uh, Alan, <laughs> if you guys follow Alan on Twitter, you know, he, uh, he loves tweeting about the basketball team. So I've actually been able to go to like three games this season. Um, every single game I went to, they've lost and they've, they've lost in like sad fashion as well. I was actually at the uh, temple game, um, just recently. And I don't know if you were able to catch that, but you know, I, I was like, dang, we have a shot. And when we played Houston, you know, going in, they were what, like three at the time they, um, we were like, man, we got, game. we got it. Yeah. I was like, we got a shot. It was, we were down four at halftime. I was like, let's just keep playing well. Uh, but before you give your thoughts, all I want to say is dude, if, if they had to like pick between my life and getting a rebound, then I'd be dead because <laughs> like <laughs> on offense and defense, grabbing rebounds seems to like not be in their DNA or something. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, the basketball team, it, it's, they frustrate me. I, I, I'm I, look, I I'm pretty level-headed and I always try to just give my honest feedback and don't try to be too much of a Homer. Um, the basketball team is like, that's where I got my start covering. I, I covered the basketball team first when I was in school for the paper. And uh, those were some good years. I When I was there, we had Michael Jordan's kid on the team, Marcus Jordan, um, you know, had some good teams on there. And it's just the basketball team, though, is just is always just a, a disappointment. The, the the program has not developed at all. That's my biggest issue. Look at football. Look how much the football program has developed year to year. If you look at decade to decade, you could say 20 years ago, it's night and day. The basketball team, is it is, is the basketball program any different than it was 20 years, years ago? It's not. They don't make the tournament ever. They made the tournament one time, which was 2019, was their best team ever. They made it once in since 2005, I think, was the team the, the last time they made the tournament. They never get pro players. You know, I know Taco and a couple other guys are pro, but in general, they never get pro players. They never get big time recruits, except for this, you know, Hendricks now is, you know, one of our best ever recruits. But in general, there's just been no growth. And I think it's because UCF as an institution does not put resources into the basketball team. They put it all into the football program, which is fine. It's paid off. The football team's amazing and, and we love it and it's developed. But basketball is a big part of college athletics. Like let's get something going with the basketball program. It's just never exciting. I mean, everyone's going to say, Oh, all the injuries this year killed the team. Okay. I get it. We were, we're really injured. We've lost five straight though. We've lost USF. We've lost the temple. I can excuse losing to Houston and some of these better teams, but it's just the same story every year. And it's like, Oh, injury is it's this, it's that well injuries. That means we have zero depth. If, if, if we were a good team, a good program, we'd have guys that could fill in for them. And we never do because we never get pro players. We aren't, we're just not, I just personally think UCF basketball is not a good program. And I don't mean that like insulting. It's just, it's just a fact. Like we never make the tournament. We've never won a conference championship in the conference USA 
play the American. We're not going to win one in the big 12 anytime soon. So it's just, it's just disappointing to see the same result year after year after year. And it's not even like, Oh, we're making the NIT or, or something where we're getting at least there. Nope. It's usually the same results year after year. So it's just frustrating. Yeah. It'd be nice to eventually get to one of those invitationals, but at this rate, like we're never even going to get any of those. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just like that. And I uh, personally, I, I'm a big Johnny Dawkins guy. Um, you know, I, I respect Duke basketball a lot. And, uh, you know, for, for him, I know that he's a great coach, but at the end of the day, there's talks right now, like, should he kick it? Like, should he be booted out? I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, Johnny Dawkins is one of the coolest guys I've ever met. I went to, I don't know if you guys have ever been to, UCF has this thing before each uh, new school year. They have a, uh, a, a charge-on tour, it's called, and they travel to multiple cities uh, in Florida. So Jacksonville, they come to Fort Lauderdale, where I live. Um, and so a couple of years ago, it was at this place called Funky Buddha, this bar, and they brought Gus Malzahn. It was prior to his first year, and they brought Johnny Dawkins. And Johnny, ha- I was with a couple of my friends, with my boys, and he was get- waiting to go speak. And he happened to sit at our table. One of the nicest, coolest guys I've ever met in my life. We were asking him questions. He was so down to earth, so nice. Love the guy. I don't, don't, him getting fired, I don't, unless you're bringing in like John Calipari or like Coach K or something, I think it's the same results. I always say, that. I don't think it matters. It's not, it's not Dawkins' fault. It's, it's the program's fault that they don't invest enough resources in it. Our assistant coaching pool uh, salaries aren't that aren't competitive compared to other teams in the Big Twelve and Power Five. Uh, there's just our, our facilities. You know, I saw a story on Twitter the other day that they the guys had to fly like coach. You know, where a lot of these other teams are flying first class. I know that like or or flying private planes. I know that sounds stupid and vain, but kids are 18. They probably want that. They don't want to fly back on coach and all this stuff. So there's just not enough money going into it. So I don't think it's Dawkins fault. I really don't. I I think you could bring in the next up and coming, you know, hot young coach. That's like, you know, the guy he has been an assistant at, you know, Louisville or Duke or some big program. And it's going to be the same results because the money isn't there. So I don't think it's Dawkins fault. So fire him. Don't fire him. I don't think it makes a difference personally. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Like I said, the rebounds. <laughs> we would get a lot more points with the rebounds. And yeah, like I, I love Johnny Dawkins and everything that he stands for. It's so cool that you got to meet him, um, which is another thing. So did you get to meet Gus at all that day or? So I have a picture actually. It was my profile pic for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I met, so Dawkins, though, I like met, met, like we were talking for like 25 minutes, just like firing off questions, like so nice. So down to earth, Gus was doing like an autograph signing. So we just like, went up and like shook his hand and it was actually during COVID. So like we all do like wear masks and stuff and um, shook his hand. I didn't like really get to meet him. It was more like a, a picture photo op. So yes, I met him, but like Dawkins was legit like 25 minutes of like just straight, like one-on-one questioning, which was really cool. But uh, Gus seemed nice, but I didn't really get to like meet him, meet him. Yeah. Now are you, how are you feeling about the entire Gus situation? Because a lot of people that I like to talk to that go to UCF, UCF football fans and stuff like that, People are saying, oh, either fire him like next year or fire him like soon. I mean, what what's the uh, what's your standpoint on all that on Gus? Oh, I think that's so ridiculous, so premature. No, I mean, did we uh, probably underperform this past year? Should we have probably gotten 10 wins? Should we have beaten Duke in the bowl game? Should we have won the conference? Probably. But look, back to back nine win seasons. Um, he's a in my mind, I think Gus in by giving up the uh, OC duties to, you know, uh, our new OC that we just hired, he's becoming more of the uh, CEO of the program. And that's what I think Gus is a program builder. Look everywhere he's gone, whether it was Auburn, 
whether it was uh, before that he was at um, um, John a blank on the conference USA team, not Western Kentucky, but one of those he's, he's a, he's a conference uh, a program builder and look at their, you can't deny the recruiting. He's gotten back-to-back best recruiting classes in UCF history, hands down. Whether you look at rivals two for seven on three, any of the big uh, recruiting outlets, it's not even a question. The transfers he's bringing in, look at them. There are a lot of them are all team first conference, whether it's Bowser, Jason Johnson, you know, all these guys, he, he's bringing in high profile guys. This past recruiting class, what did he do? He went out and got four, four-star kids from the state of Florida. Normally those were reserved for Miami, FSU, Florida. Florida. He's winning recruiting battles against UF for a guy like John Walker. So no, I would not fire guys. I think he's actually done an excellent job on, on the field. Auburn fans complained about a lot of how he would blow, you know, big games or he would get in his head. And there's a lot of eight and nine win seasons where it's like not quite enough to fire him, but not quite the results you want, but that's Auburn. That's the SEC. Let's see what he can do in the big 12. I would. I don't want anyone else other than him right now building us inside the Big Twelve. Um, if it comes down to it, three, four, five, six years in, and he's still, you know, knocking out seven, eight win seasons, then maybe you go a different route. But right now, I think he's been nothing short of spectacular. I know he's made some questionable decisions at quarterback. He's maybe been stubborn at times, but I, I think he's the right man for the job because he's a program builder, and that's what the state that UCF is in right now we need to build in the big 12. We're not, we're not the shit anymore, right? We're not the the biggest guy in a small pond. Now we're, you know, a medium sized fish in a big pond. So let's get him to grow us to that next level. And I think he's the perfect guy to do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm one of those guys that's with you on that. And if let's say that he even gets four wins next season and the big 12, I still say, let's keep him well, at least one more season and see how he does. Because, you know, he's one of these guys that, like, he he has that competitiveness. The man won a national championship. Like, uh-huh. that should say enough in itself about, like, how he's a good coach. Now, do all coaches that win championships, like, in their careers on good notes? Not all the time. But at the same time, I feel like I kind of have this feeling that Gus is building this big program at UCF. And, you know, now he's back in a Power 5 school in the uh, Big 12. Um, I feel like he kind of went group of five. Uh, to kind of regain his stance as a head coach. And he's going to try his hardest eventually to get back to that SEC level. That's just, that's a personal opinion of mine. I don't know if it's obviously ever going to happen, but if he does end up doing super good in the big 12 in these upcoming years, I think that he himself would leave, but that's just, that's just me. Yeah. It's a possibility. I think also what the things that fans do in college, especially college football and NFL is we're so quick to fire someone. Um, the, the big thing I think that's even hurt UCF over the past, let's call it six years, is think about this. We've had four head coaches in the matter of seven years between O'Leary, Frost, Heupel, and now Gus. And I know uh, Heupel and Frost left us. They chose that. But that inconsistency hurt us, right? Because then you have recruits that leave. You have mixture of players where it's like, I'm a, I'm a Gus guy. I'm a Heupel guy. I'm a, a Frost guy. And there's a chemistry issues. I, I want consistency i want a coach that's going to get us an entire four years freshman sophomore junior senior of all of his recruits right now we're still mixed with hypo which isn't always a bad thing but let's get a i think it's such a big mistake always just firing and waiting for the next guy obviously if he does a horrible job he's sitting there going one and eleven two and ten year after year of course but let's get him 
I want consistency because I think we've seen what Cincinnati did quite, quite honestly with, um, you know, with, with their coach is he was there for six years and what happened, he built them into a national contender um, and that they pay, it paid off because they didn't have four coaches in six years. Like we did. A lot of people ask, why did we fall off so hard after frost? We had four different coaches. It's you, you can't, you can't build that way. So I, I hate the whole fire quickly mentality unless, unless it's really deserving. Exactly. I agree. Um, well, that's gonna that's gonna kind of wrap it up for us here. Um, Mike, do you have anything else that you want to ask? That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. I think we covered everything I wanted to cover. Well, Alan, nice. thank you so much for joining, man. It's been so glad to have you. You know, like-minded people here talking about teams that we love and the passions there. And man, we'd love to have you on again, especially as the new seasons come and you know, especially baseball seasons coming up as well. Um, but you know, you're just that guy. You're, you're that guy for UCF, and we love <laughs> Hey, man, yeah, appreciate. It. I'd be happy to come on anytime. You know, now we're getting into spring football, and like you said, baseball, and then Jimmy summer ball, and then right before we know it, the fall before our first Big Twelve season. So yeah, I'm happy to to come on anytime you guys want. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Now uh, you have a podcast yourself. You said uh, what was the name of it? Yeah, it's just like my page name, UCF Football Updates Podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube, and I, I post a lot of the clips on on Instagram. But uh, yeah, just YouTube UCF Football Updates podcast. That's where you'll see the full length podcast, like Mackenzie and all the guys I've done. Um, but otherwise, UCF at UCF.football.updates on Instagram and then UCF FB updates on Twitter. And that's where I'm at. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one.